Westchester Talk Radio is broadcasting live. News, trends, and more. No one knows Westchester County better than we do. We are Westchester Talk Radio. Good day. Welcome to Westchester Talk Radio. WestchesterTalkRadio.com. I'm John Marino. We are produced by Shark Creative. Made possible by Robeson Oil, the house that service built. By Lipolis Electric, don't be left in the dark. Get Lipolis by Hightower Westchester, managing your wealth to a fiduciary standard. By White Plains Hospital, by Michael Labriola Landscape Design and Construction of Armonk, and by Tompkins Mayor Pack Bank. We are joined here on the Sports Report by Josh Thompson. Josh Thompson, sports editor at the Journal News and Poughkeepsie Journal, all part of Loha.com. Josh, welcome back. The fall season is done. We have kicked off the winter sports campaign in year two of COVID. A fall recap, if you would, and how much of an impact did COVID have overall? You know, I'd say, John, not not too much. You know, you did have a few quarantines, um, you know, for football teams or soccer teams, but that was, uh, it was pretty, it was, you know, way, way down from what we saw in the winter and the spring. Um, didn't affect too many teams too badly. Um, you definitely had, you know, a, a Ramapo missed a couple of games and there were, there were a couple other schools that missed games, Putnam Valley at the end of the season for football and a Westlake soccer missed some games. So you did have some of that, but it was definitely much more limited. You know, maybe we'll see more of it this winter as you know, the, the uh, positive cases tick up a little bit, but you know, it definitely didn't affect the fall too much. Um, you know, and for, for the fall season, it was a pretty strong one for section one. You had Carmel football team winning a state championship undefeated. Uh, one of the you know, most dominant section one football teams ever. You get a uh, Somers boys soccer, you know, winning a state title. Uh, you know, a lot of boys and girls teams making it to Middletown and Cortland respectively uh, boys football teams making it to Syracuse. So, you know, you had a lot of a lot of success, and you know, and team you get a couple teams in field hockey make it down to, um, to to Long Island to those games, and some volleyball teams making it upstate uh, to Glens Falls. So, yeah, definitely was a successful season. And you know, I think the best part about it is for the first time since really November of 2019, you know, there were state championships, and I think that that was something. You know, two years in the making, uh, something that was kind of brought back to the fold, and you know, there were. There was one issue with football where a team, you know, a game was delayed, a state playoff game a couple days, and there were courts were involved. And, you know, it got a little messy that was up in the Rochester and Buffalo area. But, you know, for the most part, the state tournaments appeared to go off without much of a hitch. Um, you know, there, there, was, there was something, for example, with football where when they played in the Carrier Dome indoors, there was some more mask wearing where there hadn't been during the season because it's an indoor venue. Um, but you know, for the most part, it, it went pretty smoothly. Um, but again, it's easier always for, for outdoor sports. And, you know, the only one that's indoor during, during the fall really is, is uh, volleyball. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's definitely something to watch out for this winter. I saw Poughkeepsie go on pause for a little bit, their football program, yet they came back, had a pretty good season. I think they looked better after they came back from the pause than they did before that as things worked out too. You talk about some of the restrictions throughout the fall in different areas and some of the COVID protocols. As we head into winter, do we see schools maybe toughening up a little bit? I know one school on Long Island where I work at, and we've had a couple of basketball games so far, the gym has been limited to pods of two people per 11 players 
for each team. And that's it. That's all that's been allowed in. So where I thought we'd go totally back to normal, and oh, by the way, I have to keep announcing, keep your mask on in the gym and throughout any time you spend in this building. It seems like that, to me, maybe a step backward. Uh, I don't know if I'd say just step backward because it's definitely an improvement upon what was happening last February when basketball came back. Uh, however, it, it does vary district by district. So I think you'll see you know, pretty, a pretty wide range of uh, protocols at different schools. You know, some will probably have almost, uh, you know, full amount of fans at games or, or 50%, 75%, maybe 25%. But then you have, I have heard down to as many as, you know, just a couple per parent. So, you know, I think that does make a big difference. Um, it will limit things. Uh, the, the biggest change, I think, is something like wrestling tournaments that are held on Saturdays a lot of the times during the winter. Mm -hmm. uh, Eastern The Eastern States Championship, which in many ways is more competitive than the New York State Championships because it includes wrestlers from Jersey and Pennsylvania and so on. Those were canceled this year. Um, you know, it's a venue situation uh, that that's that's held at uh, uh, Sullivan Community College. But, you know, whether it's Pace University, Iona College, Manhattan College, Fordham University, uh, you know, a lot of these venues don't want to have outside people come in. So there are events that are commonly held at places like that that are larger venues that can have bigger crowds or more competitors. And I think you might see those uh, curtailed or kind of go by the wayside this winter. Um, but I, I do think, you know, by and large, most competitions will go on as as normal. There might be some tweaks to how many people are allowed in the gyms. Uh, again, part of that problem, though, is that every gym is different, John. So there are gyms that only hold 500 people. And if you're going to try to limit the crowd somewhat and you're you're trying to have some sort of social distance, you know, that just doesn't leave that many people behind. So that's a factor, too. You know, there are different size, uh, different size sporting venues. So there, there's going to be a lot of, I think, differentiation between schools and between sports. And I think that's something that's a lot different than what we saw last winter and early in the spring, where at, at, at most schools, the section and the state had kind of set the guidelines. This year, they're kind of leaving that up to the schools. Um, so some schools will be more aggressive than others in terms of limiting uh, the amount of contact people have between one another. Mm -hmm. Football, soccer, both outdoors, obviously, were basically SRO, standing room only throughout the fall. And the fans did come out. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it was uh, if you went to a football game on a Friday night, it was very much like normal. Um, people didn't wear masks. Uh, not that they should have, but they didn't wear masks because they were outdoors. Um, you know, there was really no no distancing involved. Um, you know, it was really pretty much from week one, excuse me, week zero, all the way through week 12, pretty much back to normal. The only, like I said, the only time I saw any any different were the three state championship games I attended. And that's because it was inside the Carrier Dome. And there were some, you know, some differences there, some masks on the sideline and whatnot. But um, yeah, really from for those first 13 weeks, it was pretty much business as usual, with the exception of volleyball and swimming and things that were held indoors. Right. Did it seem like for the teams that didn't get to the state tournament, especially in football, that their seasons got extended locally, for example, they'd have a bowl game. Maybe they'd lose the bowl game or maybe they'd win the bowl game, but they weren't eligible still to advance. They'd get a game or two after that tacked on kind of an extra bowl game or maybe what we would call a consolation game. 
Uh, no, that was nothing had really changed from years past. The season was a week later than usual. Usually it ends on Thanksgiving weekend. This year it ended the first weekend in December. Uh, there were definitely some teams that picked up a ninth game, and there were maybe one or two schools. Um, I think the Clarkstowns, you know, they hadn't played during the year because they were in different classifications. They played a 10th game. Uh, you're allowed to play 10 games, so that was something that, that you know, they did. Um, uh, in the past, Clarkstown North actually had done that with North Rockland. Uh, you had Tappan Zee and Pearl River. They played, uh, they played an additional game, but it was more so to get a game in that those communities really wanted to get in. But, but playing those extra games to get to the nine-week schedule is normal. Uh, not everyone does it, but there are teams that – that have kind of routinely done it over the years. I'd say it's really 50-50. It's really the teams playing the 10th game who aren't in the sectional playoffs. You know, that's pretty rare. Um, but there were a handful of teams that did that this year. Was there enough time between seasons, between fall and winter, for athletes to take part in both? Well, you know, everything was done two weeks before uh, football was over. So, you know, if you're talking about any other sport outside of football, yeah, there was, there was totally enough time. It was a normal amount of time. Uh, like I said, you know, they just went a week later with football this year. Um, I think if you're a school that has a lot of athletes who play football and come down to play, you know, basketball or wrestling, um, Pleasantville, uh, for example, you know, you definitely were probably hurt by that. Um, but you know what? This is why I always say to people, two years ago, uh, Rye, they made the state semifinals in football their two best players, uh, Quinn Kelly and Matt Tepidino, were wide receivers and played defensive back on the football team. They were really banged up going into the year. Rye lost a few games that December, and they ended up winning the sectional championship. And, and you know, they they made the elite eight when when COVID hit. Uh, they were in the they were in the final eight for Class A, so they ended up doing okay. I I, I sometimes think that coaches um, and parents think that December. Uh, games are more important than they are. So I, I think that, you know, you have plenty of time. It's the longest season in high school sports. You know, you have plenty of time to regroup and, you know, get your sea legs back and get people back in, in the lineup. And, you know, for example, uh, a few days ago, I saw Pleasantville won a basketball game, 38-35, uh, a low-scoring game, very close. And Daniel Picard, who was their best player in football, he actually had like eight points and nine rebounds in the game. So he's back in the court. And uh, this is a kid who was getting the ball, you know, 20, 30 times the last few games and, and making tackles on defense, returning punts and kickoffs. So I think if he can do it, I, I think it's uh, I think it's OK. Sometimes people forget they're just teenagers, John, and they, they, they can bounce back pretty quickly. And they're in better shape than us. Right. Yeah, that's right. The kind yeah. of shape we used to be in at that time. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Thompson, sports editor, Journal News. Also, the Poughkeepsie Journal, all part of lowhunt.com here on Westchester Talk Radio, the Sports Report. I'm John Marino, Josh Thompson. We are into the winter season now. Early impressions? Uh, you know, it, it's very early. I mean, there's definitely a, a big uh, – when you get into this month and this season, there's, there's always a big gap. Uh, some teams, I believe Somers uh, High School, the boys basketball team, hasn't played a game yet. They play for the first time tonight. Then you have other schools, uh, Panis, uh, for example, which is off to a pretty good start. They've already played six games. So you have, you have a, a really a big variation. And then you have teams that play once or twice and go off for holiday break. So, uh, you know, it, it's hard to really draw too many conclusions. You know, I think we've seen some, some pretty good games so far, uh, some, some Class A and Class AA teams in basketball that have kind of um, – you know, tried to carve out a little niche for themselves, kind of announce themselves as, as possible 
contenders. You've had the Ursuline girls basketball team without Sony Citron get off to a good start. Um, so that's that's impressive. You know, I know uh, this this past week, um, Marinette hockey played against Suffern and Suffern crushed them. And I think, you know, that's one of those things. It's early in the year, but you kind of say, wait a second. If this is going to happen, you know, is anybody going to compete with suffering? So, you know, you, you do have sometimes there are those things happen in December, but I do stress uh, just from experience over the years, uh, December can really uh, cloud your thinking for later in the season. Things change. I don't think that you really get into winter sports until January starts. A lot of times that's when league games start and, you know, you get a really good understanding for who's good, who isn't. So I do think you can be um, a little fooled by what goes on sometimes in the month of December. And yet the Maronite hockey coach, Mike Schiaparelli, can't be happy after a game like that. Right. No, of course. And, and you know, but but at the same time, it, it gives you uh, something to build off of and gives teams plenty of time to to, to bounce back. And I, I, I've seen many times where a team uh, beats a team in December and then once, you know, it's the end of February, early March, and they're playing in a playoff game that the team that lost in December sometimes badly comes back and wins and sometimes easily. So that that's happened so many times over the years. I can't even, you know, can't even count it. So it, it's uh, it's definitely something that, you know, I think sometimes you have to take the, the results in December with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, I think if you're a team that that's trying to make a big leap from a average team to a great team or or from a bad team to a playoff contender, I think sometimes this month can be good, you know, to kind of build some confidence and kind of establish yourself and, and, and let your players know that, that that's, you're a team that's going to be there. Um, but yeah, I definitely think uh, sometimes people uh, take these games a little too far. So. Will we have the slam dunk basketball tournament at the County center? Like we did until COVID hit. Yeah. You know, as of right now, John, no basketball at the County center this winter, I know that uh, George Latimer has said, you know, multiple times, um, you know, there's going to, it's going to be months uh, to kind of rebuild the County center. I, I think that's probably an indication that the County's looking for some money from the federal government to, to help that process. You know, that was turned into to a hot hospital ish space um, during COVID a lot of, you know, vaccines were being given out and testing and stuff. So I think that the County center probably needs some work and, you know, I think that I don't know if the county like, you know, jumped right to work on it. I think they're they're kind of waiting for um, for some money, so for some aid for that. And, you know, I just think whether it's, uh, you know, the Stepanak, I own a basketball game, the, the slam dunk um, or the section one tournament. I think that, you know, the people that are planning those things, you'll have to kind of make alternative plans. You know, uh, for example, uh, the, the slam dunk uh, is, is January 8th, 9th at Iona College. It's just a one day showcase event. Iona Prep and Stepanak are going to play two days before that. You know, their their Stepanak's home game that's going to be at Manhattan College this year. Unable to get Fordham, unable to get Pace due to vaccine requirements, and you know, just not wanting outside fans. Uh, um, so that that's why that game will be played at Manhattan College. And then you know, Section One. I, I don't know. I don't believe it's finalized. Um, you know, where it's going to play championship games, but but uh, and I don't think this is a secret at this point. I, you know, I'd expect them to be played at neutral site high school venues um you know the boys uh, uh, boys and girls championship games uh just because you know again same thing you know, i i don't think you can just go to pace nowadays and just get pace to give you the, the gym for three or four days just just not the way it is you know in the time of covid so i think that, you know those those games and hopefully it's just this year but i think those games will end up being played at neutral site high schools 
The Slam Dunk Tournament, as you pointed out, is Sunday, January 9th, the showcase at Iona College in New Rochelle. We'll have, I think, six games total that day, right, from early in the morning till late at night. Yeah, it's three three games, like three matchups, boys, three matchups, girls, six days slate. I think it starts at 10, and the last game is, you know, 7.30 or so, um, you know, kind of running every hour, hour 45 minutes, every two hours. So, yeah, you know, it's, um, again, it's probably a good solution, you know, it's, it's not uh, cheap to have a four-day or three-day tournament, um, you know, and, and in a time like this when you just don't have the, the venue for it, you know, it's not even a, necessarily a cost thing, too. It's, um, you know, just a matter of, you know, what was most feasible. So I think that's what they're going to do this year. And, and, like, you know, I tell people all the time, I mean, I love the county center for the championship games because of the – uh, the the size of the of the arena and you know the, the amount of people you can put in there and the tradition obviously um, but you know Pace University and Iona College are both excellent um, alternatives and Iona College you know to me you know is the best venue around here now since um, since it was refurbished you know I think they've done a great job with it um, it definitely has more of a um, it's the same size but it has more of an intimate feel because there's fans sitting behind both baskets. So I think that's a great site for those games. And, you know, I wish that Section 1 could play its championship games there because I think, I think that'd be a great venue for that. Um, uh, obviously, that's not, that's not going to be the case, I don't think. But, you know, it's a, it's a good alternative on a Sunday for the slam dunk. I mean, you know, they're, they're probably playing on a Sunday for a reason because it's, it's probably when it's available. But, um, you know, I think that'll be a nice day of basketball. Mm-hmm. Over to baseball now, and that season is months away, but we have controversy over at Iona Prep with a now former Gales baseball player who has, as a junior, already committed to college. Yeah, Tony Humphrey, uh, you know, he's committed to play at Boston College. He was on the team last year. I saw him play a little bit. You know, he had, um, was, you know, started sometimes, you know, was a pinch runner, would play going and play defense or pinch hit. And But I know that, uh, you know, the coach over there, Ryan Mahoney, uh, he was, he was a big fan of Tony's Tony's game and thought he was going to be a key player for them the next couple of years. And obviously, you know, uh, with what happened with him, Tony left and, you know, he's, he's headed back to, uh, to Panis uh, from Iona prep. Uh, Panis is absolutely loaded. So in addition to Tony, they have a Clemson commit, a high point commit, a, uh, a, um, excuse me, I think Elon, not high point. Um, and then a, a St. John's commit. So that's a team that has a lot of division one talent, and adding Tony to the fold will only make them uh, more impressive. But obviously, you know, it's, it's a sad story. And, uh, you know, it's um, uh, sad that he had to leave, felt like he had to leave the school. And um, it's sad what happened. And obviously, it cost somebody uh, his job. And so, you know, it was a, a, obviously a disappointment all around. I know it was obviously not um, uh, not a good look for Iowa Prep. And, um, you know, I, I know that that's, uh, that's probably something the school will We'll spend a little bit of time over the next uh, you know, coming years, you know, taking a hit for that because obviously he doesn't make the school look great. Um, and obviously Tony, you know, and his family made the right decision for him. And, you know, he's headed to Panis and, um, you know, I'm sure he'll have a really good career there. This was after an alleged racial remark by a, an athletic department staffer made to Tony when he talked about maybe wanting to join the track team, to pick up even more speed than what he already has. And then what happened happened. And now he is not at Iona prep anymore and is over back at Walter Panis. The NIL situation, name, image, likeness, which was instituted this year for college athletes to be able to make some money off their name, their image, their likeness, the train of thought is that the schools are making money off the kids. They're adults by the time you get to college, but off 
the men and women from their athletic teams and the athletic programs. So why can't they get a few bucks too? Some states allow high schoolers now to do this too. New York State is one of them. And we have a kid over at Stepanak who is taking advantage of this. Yeah, it's uh, Boogie Fland. He's a, he's a top 15 rated uh, sophomore in the country, class of 2024. Unfortunately, Boogie is out right now. He's got a back problem. So he hasn't, um, he hasn't played so far yet this, this season. But, you know, he tried out for uh, Team USA over the summer. He's in the, the Team USA um, under 16, um, uh, you know, program uh, kind of. And, you know, I know that he's, uh, he's a guy who only had to play a handful of games last year for Stepanak, uh, four versus Iona Prep, two versus Long Island Lutheran, then played in uh, spring games and the CHSA spring um, uh, event. And, and you know, he uh, – he was really talented. I mean, right. You know, the first time I saw him play, I was really impressed. Um, you know, he came in, was ready to play right away. He's got good size for a guard. He's kind of a combo guard who could score and make plays happen. And, you know, he's somebody who's, you know, he's certainly going to be a high major division one college player. Um, if he, you know, if he stays healthy and, you know, keeps, keeps, uh, keeps his mind right and everything. And so, you know, uh, him and, and uh, you know, there's a story in the New York Post by my, my buddy, Zach Braziller, um, this week uh, about Boogie, uh, Boogie Fland and, um, you know, uh, Ian Jackson, who plays, uh, he's also a top 15 sophomore. I believe Ian's ranked sixth in the country um, in the class of 2024. Uh, and he's at Cardinal Hayes. Cardinal Hayes, yeah, he's at Cardinal, Cardinal Hayes. And they're, they're both, and he was another guy who played for Team USA. I think he was their leading scorer. These guys are, are very talented. And, and just, you know, from what I've known from talking to their coaches, because like, I know one of Ian's coaches really well as well, and obviously talking to Stepanak coach Pat Masseroni is, is that, you know, there are athletes, you know, you could say to yourself, oh, they're 15, 16 years old. How are they getting paid money? Who's, who, who, who is, uh, you know, buying something because of what they say? Well, you know, if you're in that, that world where you're, you're young and you're, you know, you're in social media and you're posting highlight clips and you're getting recruited and, you know, you're, you're on the AAU circuit that you, you do, often have a following, a pretty large following where, you know, when you're posting quick highlight clips of yourself, you know, people are on Instagram or Snapchat or, or Twitter, and they're, you know, they're engaging with, with what you're, you're putting out there. And, um, you know, we see it with, with, we saw with Caitlin Tui, for example, right. She had a huge, had, and still has a huge following. In fact, she wasn't running her own Instagram account. There was somebody else who was running it and posting things of her, which just goes to show you how big that following was. Because if you were in the running world, you wanted to know and see what she was doing. Well, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the Bronx, uh, you know, where these, these guys are from, I believe Boogie's from Harlem. I think uh, Ian's from the Bronx, but you know, they're from either the Bronx or Harlem, both of them. And, you know, in their, in their neighborhoods and then in their, in the CHSAA and then the, the Nike EYBL circuit and the people who follow team USA basketball, these are guys at their age, you know, whether people like it or not, or whether people think it's right or not, they have pretty large followings. People want to know what, what they're doing. And so they have an ability, you know, to, to post something on their Instagram account and, you know, kind of create, I guess, additional revenue for, for companies. And so there are companies who are you know going to reach out to them and, um, you know, it might not be a huge contract. This is certainly isn't something that, um, you know, it's going to set them up for life and certainly will pale in comparison to, you know, what you get, you know, in terms of a scholarship for a college education or in terms of what you would get um, if certainly if you ever make the NBA. 
um, or play professionally overseas. But, you know, it's obviously a little bit of money that would allow these kids at a young age to kind of uh, profit off of, you know, something that they're kind of bringing to the world, right? Which is, you know, that they're exceptional basketball players and people want to want to watch them play and people want to, you know, kind of see what they're doing to, to get better and what products they use and blah, blah, blah. So that's how it works. Um, you know, I, I know that not everyone's going to think that that's, that's great. And I think if you're, you're, you're older and you're used to, you know, college basketball being a certain way, um, you know, I think you're naive if you don't understand that things have completely changed. Uh, you know, a lot of players are going one and done, two and done, and, you know, they're using that just as a springboard to the NBA. And obviously the NBA changed its rules, so you can't go right from from high school to the pros. So you see people now taking the G League route or, or going overseas like uh, LaMelo Ball did. Uh, Jalen Green last year playing on the, the G League team ended up being the number two overall pick. So you're definitely seeing that Jonathan Kaminga, who was a kid who, who was actually at Iona Prep for a brief time and, you know, was living on Long Island after that. And he he's somebody who never played in college. So, you know, you definitely have had had that, you know, been kind of heading in this direction. It's just a way for for, you know, people who are really talented to, to kind of make money, um, you know, and kind of strike while it's hot, um, you know, based on their talent and the fact that people want to know what they're doing, what they're they're using, uh, what they're, you know, what they're into and. You know, uh, it's 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 kind of the way of the world now, and it's good to see Ian and Boogie uh, taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Those two, and like you mentioned, Caitlin Tui from North Rockland, great track star there a few years back. They are social influencers, what we call social influencers now. Well, John, and R.J. Davis is selling North Carolina jerseys or is able to kind of, you know, able to put, uh, put a link out there to like his jersey and be able to sell it. And you know right. what? People like people weren't buying Michael Jordan, Eric Montross and Troy Hansborough. Of course they were. So they were buying their jerseys and Michael Jordan and, and Hansborough and, and Montross and, you know, all these great North Carolina players, they never got a dime from it. Well, so RJ Davis, now he can. And, you know, I, I, I don't see any argument for why that's a, that, that is a bad thing. You know, um, how many jerseys did Chris Weber sell when he was at Michigan? How many Michigan number four jerseys did Chris Weber sell? How many Nike black socks did those guys sell? You know, they were, they were huge kind of cultural icons at the time, even though they were 18, 19, 20 years old. I had a, I had a a Chris Weber jersey when I was a a kid. So, you know, I I get it. And, uh, you know, people were kind of following what those guys did and, and they were young and they didn't make any money off that. And, you know, it's one thing if you're Chris Weber or you're Jalen Rose and you make the NBA or, or, or Juwan Howard, you make the NBA and you sign pretty big contracts. But how about if you're Jimmy King or Ray Jackson? How much money did right. you make off being yeah. part of the Fab Five? Not much. And right. those guys, those guys at the time were a big part of that. And, uh, you know, they didn't get to make any money off that. And, you know, it, it now nowadays, the next Fab Five that comes along, if there is another, uh, you know, kind of phenomenon like that, the the fourth and fifth guys on that team, they'll be able to profit off it as well. And it's great to see a kid from Westchester, the all-time leading scorer, now at North Carolina, may be able to make a few bucks off this too. Right. You know, and RJ probably have a chance to make the NBA, but there are no guarantees, you know. There's no guarantees, you know, when you're six feet tall and 170 pounds or whatever he is, you know, there are no guarantees that you'll, you'll have a a long future in the NBA. You know, I certainly think he'll be making money playing basketball for, for a long time. He's a genius uh, on the court. You know, he knows what he's doing and he's an excellent player. He's having a great year so far in North Carolina. He's improved big time as a sophomore, especially with his shooting. His shooting percentages are way up and you know, he, he's been a really good player for them so far, along with Caleb Love, who he came in with, fellow All-American. 
you know, they're, they're doing good things or they're improved, but you know, that doesn't guarantee you an NBA career, but right now, you know, he's a top dog in North Carolina and he's going to be able to profit off that. That's a good thing. And we can think of so many names locally over the last 30 years that were supposed to be the next one. And they never were. Raleigh Alkins, for example. Right. Like that. Yep. Yep. Josh Thompson, great to have you back again with us here on the Sports Report on Westchester Talk Radio. All the best to you and yours. Happy holidays. And let's talk sometime soon in the new year. Thanks, John. You too. All right, Josh. Josh Thompson here. And Josh Thompson is the sports editor at the Journal News and Poughkeepsie Journal, our part of Lola.com. I'm John Marino on the Sports Report here at Westchester Talk Radio, produced by Shark Creative, made possible by Robeson Oil, the house that serves built by LaPolis Electric. Don't be left in the dark. Get LaPolis by Hightower Westchester, managing your wealth through fiduciary standards. By White Plains Hospital, by Michael Labriola Landscape Design and Construction of Armonk and by Tompkins Medipack Bank. Catch all of our Westchester, Rockland, Putnam, Duchess, Fairfield, and Orange County programming on our YouTube channel, Shark Creative YouTube, and download the Westchester Talk Radio app now. We have one. It's called Westchester Talk. You're listening to Westchester Talk Radio. Powered by Shark Media, a division of Shark Creative. And made possible by Entergy, Indian Point Energy Center. Visit safesecurevinyl.com.